0: This is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, if you're going to have faith in God, you got to be pretty certain that He exists. You're going to need some proofs of His existence that that kind of cement your belief in God. So, in this podcast and the next one, we're going to be looking at ten proofs of God's existence, and they're they're pretty serious. They've, in fact, they've impacted me significantly to believe even stronger in God. And the God that I'm speaking of is the God whose son is Jesus Christ. So I hope that between the couple the next couple of podcasts, your faith will be strengthened, not only in God's existence, but in God himself. Logically. And in fact, um, throw up here just a reminder of, of what apologetics is and what it does. It it removes intellectual impediments from your faith. So we'll have messages that are spiritual in nature. We're gonna have messages that are doctrinal in nature, you know, knowing the truth because the truth sets you free. We're gonna have messages that have to do with building your faith but we also need messages that are apologetic in nature, that remove these intellectual impediments. In other words, these doubts. Don't you, don't you have doubts in your mind? Does God exist? You know, did I just, you know, come from nowhere? What is my purpose? Well, I tell you what. We as Christians need to have answers to these questions. And so, for the next two Sundays, including last Sunday and then another Sunday, uh, we're going to be going from evolution now into ten proofs that God exists. Ten proofs. And I'm telling you, each of these proofs is powerful, is powerful. And so with Tina mentioning these these resources, don't sit there and wallow in your doubt. Do something about it. Study it. Get into it. Understand it. If you have one of the apologetics that will hit sometime this year or next year is How can I know that Christianity is the real truth versus all the other religions that are out there? Well, don't just wallow in that. Study God through his word and carefully study other religions. Don't get sucked into any falsehoods. But don't just wallow there and be curious the rest of your life. Do something about it. And that's what we want to encourage you by having resources for you to do exactly that. So, just one verse about apologetics. We gave you one last week. We'll give you another one this week in Jude 3. Now, Jude's an interesting book of the Bible because it has one chapter. So it's not Jude 3, verse 1 or 2. It's Jude 3. It's the only verse in that, in that book. It says, uh, uh, the, the, the author of Jude says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. To contend for the faith. You need to fight for your faith. In fact, the Bible says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight it. Don't sit there and just think God is going to thrust everything on you. No, you got to go do your part. Seek God with all your heart. Fight for your faith and learn how to do that. In fact, apologia, which is the Greek root of the word that we use for apologetics, is in fact defense. It's a defense In our case, defense of our faith. But let's just jump right in to 10 proofs that God exists. I wanted so bad to cram this into one Sunday. But you know what? We would have been here until about 1 o'clock today. And I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to me either. All right? So we're going to keep this short and sweet. And we're going to tackle five proofs of the 10. And the next Sunday, we're going to tackle the next five. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss next Sunday. You don't want to miss it, man. There's some proofs in there that I'd never contemplated before that are absolutely mind-boggling. One of them is that Satanism proves the existence of God. So you don't want to miss next Sunday. It's going to be really good. But let's jump into these first five today. Here it goes. Are you ready? Take notes, all right? Take notes. Get ready to use this to defend against your own doubts and the doubts of others. Here's the first one. The predicted outcomes of people's actions proves that God exists. What am I talking about? In the Bible, there's so many things that are like this. If you do this, this is going to happen. If you don't do that, this is going to happen in your life. They're predicted outcomes that work over and over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if you're in the if you're raised in the Amazon forests, or if you're raised in New York City, these if-thens work for every single human being on the face of the earth. And they're outlined in the Bible. They work, and the outcomes happen every single time. And this is evidence of the existence of God. Let me give you some examples. Some of them are kind of broad. Others may be a little bit more specific. But here in Proverbs ten sixteen. The writer of Proverbs, who was Solomon, says the wages of the righteous is life. In other words, the result of a person who lives a righteous life, the the result is life. A life, so let's define life. It's not just someone who's breathing. It's someone who's living an abundant, joyful, happy, peaceful, productive, fruitful life. If you're righteous in God's sight, you're going to have wonderful life. You're going to have problems. Your soul might suffer here and there. In fact, you will. I can guarantee you will. But you're going to have life. But look at this on the flip side. It says the earnings of the wicked is sin and death. Look, someone who's wicked, look at their life. They sin all the time. They break God's law all the time. Is that not the case? Is that not true? Absolutely. You can physically observe both of these. And when we talk about the righteous, don't take, you know, pile Christianity into a, a very generic group of people. I'm talking about Christians who are die hard, loving, godly Christians, not the crusaders who claimed to go to, to the promised land way back when. And the, we're not talking about that Christianity, we're talking about godly people here. Godly people have a wonderful, abundant life. Proverbs 13:15 says, "The way of the transgressors is hard, and isn't that true? The person who's an, who's an addict isn't their life hard? The person who's decided to cheat on their spouse over and over again, isn't their life hard? The person who's cheated in business and done whatever they did to get ahead? Isn't their life hard? Yes, the way of the transgressor is hard, and this predicted outcome that God gives in His Word is evidence of His existence. It's proof of his existence. In Proverbs 14, it says, here's the transgressor's way is hard, but look, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter until the full day of life. And I, and I can tell you the full day of uh, light of day. I'll tell you my life, I've experienced this personally, man, as I get closer to God and I let his righteousness permeate every, every corner, every nook and crowding of my life, my life just gets brighter and brighter, and better, and depression starts to start sinking away, and discouragement goes away, and I have peace, and I have joy. Why? Because of God's righteousness. He he predicts what's going to happen to you depending on the decisions you make. I don't think there's a soul here anywhere that could deny that, and this proves in a certain respect God's existence. But If you say, Steve, that's not enough for me. Yeah, all right, so-so, whatever. Uh, Only wise people wrote the Bible, and, you know, they they came up with stuff. Let me give you nine more reasons between this Sunday and next. Here's the next one. Nature and the universe proves God's existence without a shadow of a doubt. In Romans 1, verses 20 through 21, it says, For this, for since... The creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen by every single person that's ever existed and ever will exist, being understood by what is made. You can know God because of the amazing, seemingless, endless, endlessness of our universe. It tells us about God and who God is so that people are left completely without an excuse. An excuse for what? An excuse to say there's no God. We are all without excuse when we contemplate nature and the universe and when we contemplate ourselves and all the things that it takes for us to live. I mean, the earth, it was just slightly tilted, slightly different, would be consumed by the sun. We couldn't have a livable atmosphere at all an environment to live in. God knows every little detail. The Bible says that in him, everything holds together. Everything holds together. So there was this famous English philosopher, an outspoken atheist named Anthony Flew, and back in, he actually died in 2010. But in 2004, before his, his, his death, he made this statement, God probably exists. <laughs> now, this man, if you know anything about, does everybody, do you know C.S. Lewis? Hopefully most people do. C.S. Lewis is the, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. We've, there's movies, through two or three movies made of them. He's written prolific apologist prolific author was was an atheist and then was was uh, by J.R. Tolkien the guy that wrote the uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all of that he was led to the Lord by J.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis was a uh, he was a professor at Oxford and this man Anthony Flew as a an atheist and a philosopher debated C.S. Lewis on the, the, the aspect of whether God exists or not. So anyways, that's just a little context of Anthony Flew. So Anthony Flew, though, in 2004, made this statement, God probably exists, after he'd argued and argued about atheism and the fact that God doesn't exist. In fact, there's a DVD t- entitled, Has Science Discovered God?, that featured Anthony Flew. And this research that Anthony Flew was involved in as he considered the intricacies and complexities of DNA is that he believed that there was inconsistency with a Darwinian account of evolution that forced him to, to reconsider everything he had believed about God not existing and about evolution. He was a philosopher, an atheist. And he said, has, He said, has shown by many unbelievable uh, By almost unbelievable complexity of arrangements which are needed to produce life, that intelligence must have been involved. Can I tell you something? You don't just need the Bible to find God, nature leads you to those conclusions. Now, I would argue that you definitely need the Bible to be a diehard, strong, power-packed Christian and live a life that's full and abundant. But I'll tell you, nature leads you to the conclusion of God. In fact, Psalms 19 verses 1 through 2 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims above, proclaims His handiwork. Day to day they pour forth speech, and night to night they reveal knowledge. Tina and I went to a planetarium years and years ago. And if you haven't gone to a planetarium, you should. All right? Go to a planetarium and have them show the the stars, then the galaxies, and the seemingly endlessness of space. And it just completely overwhelms you. And if that overwhelms you, God should multiple times over overwhelm you even more. Unbelievable, but here's the third thing that proves God's existence, and it's rational thought, logic. Christians are not illogical, irrational human beings. In fact, they should be, and we should be, the most logical and rational people around. By process of elimination in 30 minutes last Sunday, we proved that the theory of evolution is not substantiated by science. Listen to it. We've got it recorded. You can get it on our website and listen to it. I'm not going to go over that again. But if, in fact, evolution is not proven by science, which I'm going to share with you a couple of quotes from die-hard evolutionists that, that tell you the same thing I'm telling you, logically, it takes more faith or at least as much faith to believe in evolution as it does to believe in God. It takes just as much faith. I believe it takes more faith. Because as I mentioned last Sunday, if we took my watch, bashed it into a million pieces, and over the next billion years poured it out over and over again, it would never turn into a watch again. It's illogical that that would ever happen. So rational thought, by process of elimination, if evolution can't be proven by science, at least is on equal footing with Christianity. At least. I think Christianity is far easier to believe in. God is far easier to believe in creation because of the intelligent design that we see all around us. There's no way that random mutations could create something that's well-designed and that's progressive. It can't happen. It's illogical. It's irrational. Dr. Harrison Matthews, an evolutionist author, stated this, biology is in the peculiar position of being a science founded on an unproven theory. Is it then a science or a faith? His conclusion seems that he's drawing that evolution is in fact a faith. Guys, rational thought is not irrational to believe in a God at all. It's very rational to believe in God. Let me read you another quote from a very well-known evolutionist and zoologist who did a lot of study of fossils and all that kind of thing. Evolution itself is accepted by zoologists, not because it has been observed to occur or it is supported by logically coherent arguments, but because no alternative explanation is credible. This guy was saying, look, the only reason why I even think about evolution is because I can't conceive of creation, is what he was saying. He was saying it's not logically coherent, and it certainly hasn't been proven. All right, so logic, rational thinking can lead you to believe in God and to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he, in fact, exists. Here's some other logics. We have the logic of experience as Christians, and we should key off of this this logic. All right. The logic of experience has taught me that the closer I spiritually get to God, I feel peace. I feel peace. But whenever I go on my own way and do my own thing, that peace shrinks within me and I feel more anxious. I feel more stressed out. I feel like I'm going to lose my mind sometimes. And so logically, peace proves to me that God exists because every time I attempt to get close to him spiritually, I sense peace. And my human need for peace is very strong, and I bet yours is as well. I believe anybody's is. The logic of experience has taught me that when I read my Bible and think on the truth of the Word of God, that I sense faith and confidence growing in me, and that logically proves to me his presence. Because he's close to me, my faith is strengthened, my confidence grows, I know God exists The logic of experiences taught me that when I talk to God in prayer and I consistently come to a life-giving church, I am stronger inside. But when I don't come to church often, when I don't seek him, my internal strength shrinks down and that logically proves to me his existence. And then I look at the logic of other people's experiences that they've taught me that, anybody who's on drugs and going down the path of illicit sex and personal ambition and cheating people, that they end up far away from God and entirely miserable. (laughs) But when I exercise the self-control that God Almighty has given me, it draws me closer and closer to God, and I feel less and less separated from Him. These things prove logically His existence to me. But here's the fourth reason man, we're making good time, right? We're going to be done early. I told you this was going to be short. All right, not too short. Let's jump on the next two. Here's Here's the fourth thing that proves God's existence, and that's through the interesting science or discipline of philosophy. Philosophy, we all philosophize, by the way. We don't think about it that much, maybe, We don't really make it into that much of a discipline, but philosophy is just thinking and asking questions and trying to get those questions answered. That's all philosophy is, and God made us all philosophers because we all think, and we all question, and we doubt things, and we believe things. We are all philosophers, and I'll tell you, philosophy is very good. It's something that God encourages and encourages us to do. It's asking questions, attempting to answer those questions and arguing the the answers of life's most basic questions like, who am I? You know, and and where on earth did I come from? And what is my purpose in life? And what is meaning in life? And is there good and bad? And for crying out loud, is there a God? (laughs) All right, that's philosophy. So let's philosophize a little bit, you and me. All right. I have found purpose in life through coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have found my purpose. Now, I know myself. I remember what I was like before I knew Jesus. And I remember distinctly feeling very little purpose in life, <laughs> feeling meaningless. Chasing this thing and not being satisfied. Chasing that thing and not being satisfied. and Pursuing this and, and just being generally empty inside. Having like a, my heart but a hole in my heart. And I found that when I found Jesus, all of a sudden he filled that gap in my life. That indescribable emptiness. That purposelessness. That meaninglessness that I had. And you see, philosophy leads you to Jesus because you can start being introspective. And and philosophy does that. It allows you to study yourself, to study your environment, to study history and come to some rational, important conclusions about your life. Philosophy leads you to the existence of God. Man, I was looking at this philosopher, this French philosopher. His name was Jean-Paul Sartre. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. He's a leading French philosopher, possibly the most influential atheist in the 20th century. Remember this name because next Sunday we're going to talk a little bit more about this guy. Possibly the most influential atheist of the 20th century, and he stated this. He described life as the bare valueless fact of existence. And in another, another set of writings, he described his own, ex, his own existence as nauseating. <laughs> I tell you, you find God and life stops being meaningless. It stops being bare. It stops being nauseating. And it proves that God exists. There was this other philosopher in the, New, in the Old Testament, Solomon. Solomon went off the rails. He'd been raised a godly guy. He got wealthy. He got powerful. He got influential. He got intelligent. He got wise. He got all these things, and he started writing philosophy pieces, and in Ecclesiastes 319, he describes how he felt and his philosophy of life without God, and here it is. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of animals. That sounds like an evolutionist to me, a naturalist, doesn't it? The same fate awaits both of them. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Man, if that doesn't sound like a hardcore evolutionist, I don't know what does. And then here was his philosophy. Everything is meaningless. There's no purpose in my life. All go to the same place and all come from dust. And dust all return. Wow. (laughs) There it is. Evidence. A godless life is a meaningless life. A God-filled life is a purposeful life. A full life. A satisfied life. An enjoyable life. A life you can't wait to get up in the morning. Did you know that most mornings I cannot wait to wake up. You know why? Because Jesus is in my life. I have something to look forward to every day. It's walking and talking to him. It's fulfilling his will for my life. I wish I could tell you what what I get to do tomorrow morning. I can't wait for tomorrow morning. And tomorrow is Monday. Most people hate Mondays. I can't wait for tomorrow. I wish I could tell you what I'm doing tomorrow. But now you're just going to wonder. I'm going to, tomorrow's going to be exciting, man. All right? You, with Jesus, you have something to look forward to, and it proves his existence. Look at this in Colossians 1.16. It says, everything got started in God and finds its purpose in him. Everything got started in God and finds its purpose in him. Let me tell you what. If you're trying to fill your life with experiences, you're going to end up having an empty life. The experiences of life are just the, the, the icing on the cake. The cake is God. Put God first, and life will have a lot more savor to it, a lot more flavor to it. But here's the last one that we'll talk about today. I can't wait for next week, man. Next week is going to be, like, counterintuitive. <laughs> it's going to knock us out, but it's good. Look at this, though. Human laws and religion prove the existence of God. And let me see if I can get you to where to where you believe this. Every human culture, every human society has a moral component, every single one. There's laws, there's rights and wrongs, there's penalties for wrongs, there's encouragement for rights, and there's no anthropologist in the world that would disagree with that statement Every society, every culture has a moral component. Look at the cartels. Even the cartels, man, they have laws, and you get shot for not following their laws. Go to a failed state like Libya or Somalia and where there's warlords, there's laws, and there's a a sense of morality, maybe a twisted sense of morality, but there it is. There's no such a thing as lawlessness for any long period of time. Laws begin to take place, and religion has been there since the dawn of time. What is up with that? Well, I stumbled across this humanistic article on the Internet this week, and this person who's a non-Christian, look at what she said. Morality is as int- is, is integral, in other words, a part of human society as a person's major organs are integral to the human body. <laughs> a humanist said that. Now, you would say, what on earth? How can, if this is true, why is that? Why is morality and and rules and regulations and a sense of right and wrong in, is innate in every single person? Well, Romans 2, 14 and 15 explains it clear as day, and it says this, indeed, when Gentiles, in other words, when non-Jews who don't have the Mosaic law, okay? When those folks, that's you and me, by the way, when those folks who did not have the law, nothing written down for them, do by nature the things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts sometimes accusing them and other times defending them there it is when god created you and me he imprinted a conscience on us he imprinted a sense of right and wrong within us that we can't get away from and that conscience that you have is your connection to God that as long as you breathe and have breath, is some level of a connection to him. Your conscience is there because he imprinted his very nature into you. So it proves his existence. His, if he's imprinted something about himself, and we realize that there are in fact values that are they're they're not debated right and wrong, that's not debated. You, we, can, we can legislate all we want in this country that, you know what, abortion's not wrong, or this not's wrong, or that's not wrong. In God's mind, it's still wrong. And in God's mind, there's still righteousness. And no matter what the laws of this nation say, his conscience is imprinted on each and every one of us. But here's the other question, because I said uh, a culture of morality, and then there's also... Uh, The religious side of things, why is it since the dawn of time, there's always been religion, there's always been this thought of deity somewhere, and there's always been this thought of afterlife? Why is that? Well, could it be that God exists? (laughs) Could it be that that's why it's always there, always there, religion, always there, God? I believe it's another proof and evidence that God exists. We can we can be as progressive as we want and get to be atheists and evolutionists and, and valueless people. That's not progressive, by the way. That's regressive. That's going the wrong direction. That's going down to a breakdown of society and culture and distancing ourselves from God. But this 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 thought that morality and religion is kind of imprinted in our hearts is another evidence of God's existence.